let's start here, Chris. I want to get your your thoughts on you know because it's sixty games on the regular season. It's all about the sample size, right? So, can you give us a sample size of the Cubs and White Sox over sixty games? A glimpse of what could happen in twenty twenty with both of these teams. Well, just kind of curious. I went to look at the best sixty game stretch of each of these teams and the worst sixty game stretch of each of these teams last season. White Sox topped out at thirty two and twenty eight, and their worst was twenty two and thirty eight. Whereas the Cubs are thirty seven and twenty three at their best, twenty eight and thirty two at their worst. Um, I mean, so what does that tell them? Tells a whole lot about twenty twenty. Um, I took a look at, you know. Since they're only going to be playing the Central Division this year, how do they do last year against the Central Division? And get a little bit of a uh, a little bit of a flip flop here. The White Sox were forty and thirty nine against Central Division teams. That is the AL Central plus the Cubs, and they were thirty two and fifty against everybody else. And the Cubs were thirty nine and forty one against the Central, under five hundred, but they were forty five and thirty seven against everybody else. So that's kind of interesting to take a look at. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of you know what might we want to expect for 2020, uh, it's health and depth I think are the most important things this year. I mean you're you're also going to get some instances where you don't know who's going to be gone at any given time. So definitely depth. And right now with the Quintana injury, that really hampers the Cubs um, much less than Kopech opting out hurts the White Sox because they've actually got full five already. Plus Rodon is a six. So in terms of depth of pitching, I kind of like the White Sox better there. Um, now, on, on the position player side, the Cubs still have their core from their championship run, Baez, Rizzo, and Bryant. And you can add Contreras to that, even Schwarber if you want. So offensively, you, the Cubs have guys who have done it and been there. The White Sox are kind of a, a team that are on the rise. Um, they finished really strong last year, but we need to see a little bit more. So it's interesting to see going forward what we're going to expect. I don't know. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be really different than anything we've seen before. There's a a lot of buzz for Javier Baez and for Tim Anderson right there in the infield at shortstop for the Cubs and White Sox. And, Chris, you think about Baez, you know, we might be seeing post-championship era Baez being the guy for the Cubs, the catalyst for this Cubs team. And for the White Sox, of course, Tim Anderson, the way I was just kind of looking at his numbers last week, the way he was able to make that really huge jump from last year to this year, becoming uh, the American League batting champion um, uh, last season, two years ago, totally different player. What do you think about their upside, Baez and Anderson moving forward for the future for their teams? I think catalyst is the perfect word here for both players. Um, you know, Baez is a guy who he came into the league as just a dynamo, and then all of a sudden he developed into that guy. He's like, oh man, he's a super glove. But then he had the breakout season in 2018 and followed up with a pretty good 19. Now Anderson had a breakout 2019. Now he's the guy who's you know, you, you see the potential with the glove. He hasn't been able to put it together yet. We'll see there. Um, but as far as upside goes, um, what I really liked for Tim Anderson last year is the fact that he really stepped it up against every kind of pitch. He went from a two fifty three batting average against fastballs to three fifty in 2019. Breaking stuff, he went from two oh three in 2018 to 3.10 in 2019. Off speed, he went from 283 to 352. And 
he's he's not doing as pull heavy as he used to be. He's going up the middle a lot, and he's also going opposite field a little bit more. He's taking it wherever you want it. And to me, that looks like a very promising trend going forward. Um, now, as far as Javier Baez is concerned, he is so explosive. He's going to have more power than Anderson. Um, he hasn't had a batting title yet. I don't know if that will ever come with Baez. He's very streaky. But that power is so dangerous that it's going to affect the way that pitchers attack him. And the most superhuman thing about Javier Baez is what he's been able to do after falling behind 0-2 in the count. In 2019, he hit 275 and slugged 600 after falling behind 0-2 in the count, which is unbelievable, given that the major league average was 165 batting average and a 267 slugging when falling behind 0-2. That's just amazing. (laughs) <laughs> Those numbers are amazing. So he's pretty much locked in. You think about that count, and usually that's that's a pitcher's count, and then you see bias coming through. It's pretty strong, Chris. He is fearless. Uh, and, 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 you know, in early in his career, you could knock the bat out of his hands while with mm-hmm. strikeouts. I don't think that's a problem that's ever going to go away, um, and nor is he ever going to walk, really. But he he is in control. He's fearless. He he. He's dangerous at any time in the count. Chris Kampko from NBC Sports Chicago and the Baseball Show with Jonathan Hood, presented by Goose Island Beer Company on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Um, I think something that is going to be really solid for the Sox pitching staff are the starters for 2020. I was looking for the Sox to be able to find their linchpin, someone that can stabilize that rotation from a veteran presence, and they were able to get Keuchel. So what are your overall thoughts on the starters collectively for the White Sox for 2020? I like what they're doing. I like where it's headed. You're in a position where, like I mentioned earlier, Carlos Rodon's in a position where he's like kind of the sixth guy. Mm-hmm. And he was like one, looked at to be one of the top of the rotation arms. He doesn't have that pressure anymore, and that's really good. Um, Giolito has come on, come on to be the ace of the staff, and he probably would put up with one of my favorite stats of all of 2019. So last year there were four teams that won 100 games, and twice all year a, a pitcher threw a complete game shutout against any of those 100-win teams. Both of them were by Lucas Giolito. He shut out the Astros at Minute Maid Park, mind you, and he shut out the Twins at Target Field. Only two shutouts against any 100-win teams last year. That's stepping it up. And he just has that poise, and he just looks like he's ready to dominate again. Now, going after that, you bring in Keuchel, who is veteran help, which they needed, and he's a ground ball machine. And with balls flying out of the park at record numbers, the ground ball machine is very helpful. Now, beyond him, you had Ronaldo Lopez, who's kind of an enigma, yet still he had the highest strikeout total of any White Sox pitcher in the game last year of 14. You see the flashes. You see the frustration. But he's still young enough to get it done. The stuff is there. The velocity is there. Dylan Cease, even more velocity. He's the only Sox starter last year in the top 100. And, you know, for as frustrating he is, he has his troubles in the first few innings of the game. Once he gets past that, he's got the stuff to do it. And then Gio Gonzalez, more veteran depth. I mean, he was drafted by the White Sox 5,880 days ago or so. Right. Um, that, and he still hasn't thrown a pitch for them while well, he's finally going to. Um, so you've got, you've got depth, and I think you need that 
especially now. And for the younger guys, this is great that you're only going to be playing 60 games because you don't have to worry about you know innings limits and any of that. You can let it go a little bit more. Uh, now you're going to have a little, you know, the ramp up going into there might be something, but still, I think, I you know, you got to be good. You got to be optimistic with the White Sox pitching staff. Uh, what about the Cubs, Chris? Because their bullpen, I thought, hurt last year. First of all, the Cubs underachieved, as we well know. But I, I was never comfortable with the closer situation and some of the players in their bullpen. How much can what they did last year carry over to 2020? Well, I mean, yeah, the numbers are right there. They had eight losses last year when entering the ninth inning with a lead. That's the most in the majors. Um, they've also had ten walk-off losses tied for third most in the majors. And see, it's all started the domino effect with Brandon Morrow. He lost the entire season. He looked so promising when he first came in, got injured. It's all last year. He's done now. And then it continued. Pedro Stroke decided to have his first bad season as a Cub. He'd had under three ERA every single season as a Cub. It ballooned to 4.97 ERA, which is sad to see. It's one of the three best relievers in franchise history. And then they bring in Craig Kimbrell. And he's going to be what he's obviously the key to the 2020 Cubs bullpen. Now it was a complete disaster. How bad was he last year? That in only 20 and two thirds innings with the Cubs, he managed to boost his career area from 1.91 to 2.08. I mean, in only 20 and two thirds innings to make that kind of a jump in career Now he was coming in um, mid-season, and it's just such an abnormal thing for him, for anybody. And the velocity was a little bit down, but still pretty good, but not what he's used to throwing, which is a little bit of a concern. But you got to hope that it's a product of, all right, let's give him a little bit more time to get ready to go for the season, and hopefully things go better. I mean, because they have to. Uh, they, they, you know, they spent some money in get, bringing him in there. They've got to be better than that. They brought in some new arms. they got Jeremy Jeffress. Um, they, they had some good things from last year. Um, Wick was fantastic um, so we got some reasons to be excited about it you can't get much worse than you were last year so hopefully things get better for the Cubs that Pedro Strope uh, nugget that you just gave us uh, that stunned me did you give us that again Pedro Strope the third yeah, best pa- was it Pedro Strope has been an under 3 ERA every year when he's with the Cubs uh, he had never been above three in any any season with the Cubs, and then he, all of a sudden, boom, four point nine seven. You're saying that he's he's one of the top relievers in the history of the Cubs organization. I say so. I'd say I'd put him right up with right up there with Bruce Suter and Lee Smith. Now, and the reason why people might not think so is because he was never really the same guy for the most part. But middle relief. We have some critical situations in the seventh, eighth innings, games, and he was always coming through. I mean, in here, his career with the Cubs, 2.90 ERA. He had a whip of just barely over one, and he averaged well over a strike on an inning. That, that's high leverage excellence for a long time, and you just don't see that out of relievers. And it might strike some is, you know, surprising, but I definitely would say Stroke's one of the top three relievers in Cubs history.
Wow, that is that is restaurant quality stuff right there. Chris Kampka from NBC Sports Chicago with us on the baseball show with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, the ESPN Chicago app. Chris, finally, I just want to get your thoughts on what we could see in 2020. Is there a player for, on the Cubs and the Sox side that you're going to be keeping your eyes on from a, a number standpoint? Well, I think the easy answer for the White Sox side is Luis Robert. I mean, he falls down on while hitting a home run. He, come on. Um, but aside from that, you know, you saw the whole the whole show last year in the minors. That every tool on display, home run, speed, um, defense, everything is all there. And so you want to see what you can do here in the majors. And, you know, in his case of spring training, he is not disappointed. So let's see what we got. But I'll give you another answer because Robert's such an easy, obvious one. Nick Madrigal, when he finally gets here, I want to see what this guy can do. He has a skill set unlike barely anybody else that you see in the majors these days. What is he able to do in the minors in 2019? 36 extra base hits, 35 stolen bases, 16 strikeouts. Now, I want to see how that can translate to major league pitching. It, because I just don't, you don't see that every day. Um, so I'm really excited to see what he can do. Now, on the Cubs side of town, with the universe of DH, for me, I'm really interested to see how Kyle Schwarber can respond. I mean, he's already on the verge of an obscure major league record. The most home runs by a National League DH all time currently is 10 by Barry Bonds and Mike Piazza. But Kyle Schwarber is one behind him with nine, tied with Matt Holliday and Jim Tomey. So he's on the verge of making history and blowing it out of the water. So, but, but, you know, in in all reality, Schorber is an exciting player with a lot of power, and I want to see what he could do if he just come off the come off that bench and hit, like like you know like he's supposed to, like we all know he can. Chris, I'm glad you spent some time with us. Those are some great numbers, and it gets me even more stoked for the upcoming season for 2020. Hopefully, we get the season end and some of these numbers can uh, come true. I appreciate it as always. All right, thanks for having me. It is uh, Chris Kampka from NBC Sports Chicago with us on the baseball show presented by Goose Island Beer Company right here on ESPN 1000.